I mean, so that's a way to just look at it on the surface. But what we are really trying to do is um, empower the next set of entrepreneurs, unskilled individuals, content creators, to create universities and learning centers and schools, but not physically this time, actually online, right? Virtual schools, so that they can create an actual alternative to some of the existing physical infrastructures or physical institutions that are not actually creating value for people. So right now, um, if I'm graduating from secondary school, the next option for me is going to be to go to a university or a polytechnic. Um, but then the, this, that's because of um, what else would I do? Where else would I learn? Hey guys, this is Matt from Founder Africa, and today we're talking to one of the co-founders of Pleader. Pleader is a platform that allows anyone to create virtual online schools for tutors and students to be able to connect and interact. He also previously co-founded Hey Food, which aims to be the DoorDash of Africa, and even got into Y Combinator, one of the world's top startup accelerators. So how did you get started with your new startup? Because I know you previously founded Hey Food, and that went on to be part of YC, and now you're working on your new education startup. So how, how did you get started with um, your new startup? Yeah, um, so for me, um, education has always been uh, a problem that I think really needed a solution. And... Um, this is because I had a very terrible experience when I was in school, like when I went to university. Um, I actually dropped out of university and I made one of my missions to actually um, find a solution to the education, to the education problem right, in Africa generally, but even like globally. Uh, so that's what, I mean, so yeah, I've had a lot of fintech experience, I've worked with food, but education has always been that thing that I think needs a solution to cause the problem. I mean, so I like to just say like the user experience is very bad, right? It's a problem that everyone, uh, so I'm not one of the essential in Malawi, but yeah, Nigeria especially, it's something that everyone obsesses over. Everyone strives to get to be a part of it, even though it's a very painful process, right? So like, so if once you have something that people still indulge, even though it doesn't create the best experience for them, there's probably an opportunity for disruption and for someone to create value for people there. And that's where I kind of like things. So that's why play that was started. Yeah, I mean, so that's a way to just look at it on the surface. But what we are really trying to do is um, empower the next set of entrepreneurs, unskilled individuals, content creators, to create universities and learning centers and schools, but not physically this time, actually online, right, virtual schools, so that they can create an actual alternative to some of the existing physical infrastructures or physical institutions that are not actually creating value for people. So right now, um, if I'm graduating from secondary school, the next option for me is going to be to go to a university or a polytechnic. Um, but then the, this, that's because of um, what else would I do? Where else would I learn anything? I mean, you might say the internet, but it's they actually you know that there are very few things you can actually learn on the internet, especially um, things localized to our culture here. Yeah. So the, there's almost no other option for you to, but than to go to university or polytechnic. And so many people think, oh, everybody wants to go to university or polytechnic. But in reality, people go to university or polytechnic because they don't see themselves in any other thing. 
And so that's literally, so they go because of, there is an absence of choice. Right now, it's like I said, I'm not very sure it is in Malawi. I've not really studied the um, environment per se, but in many places I'm familiar with, especially in Nigeria where I'm based, like that's out in there. Um, but because of play that, because a lot of skilled individuals and entrepreneurs want to make money, they want to share their knowledge, they want to train people to become useful to society. These people are going to start schools. And these people are already starting physical schools in mass, work on the street. You see a lot of learning centers, tutorial center, fashion academy. So these people are going to be starting schools online. And um, because of students or people want to learn how to actually be useful so that they can get a job or so they can create something they want to create or so they can know how to do some things they are passionate about, right? Um, they are going to be joining those schools or see those schools as an alternative, or maybe not even an alternative, but as a, in conjunction with the existing school they are going to. But that's kind of the way I see it, right? So it's not just providing virtual classroom for people, but a platform for people to create online schools, create virtual schools as an alternative to the expensive physical physical institutions that we have. So how did you guys get your startup off the ground? Um, did things like immediately take off or was it like a dark period before things started working? Oh, no. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it's a, we actually never start exactly with this idea in mind. I've, I've had the domain for a while. I've had the branding, registered a company for a while now. And when I dropped out, did some experiments with a different product set, uh, and which failed. Uh, so it's not, so, I mean, this is just the latest iteration and we did not take off immediately. <laughs> I wouldn't even say we really, I mean, we have some users that really love us, we've gotten some good traction, but I wouldn't say we're actually even taking off yet, right? We're still trying to figure out um, a lot of things internally. So it's not, I mean, maybe there are companies that actually take off immediately, but there are very few of those. Like, usually reality is a lot more nuanced than that. <laughs> How did the pandemic affect your startup? Did it help? Did it help push things forward? Uh, so I, I wouldn't say, I mean, obviously the pandemic improved the awareness of people, makes it easier to sell to some people, to some enterprise. Um, but generally speaking, even without the pandemic, there was an upward trend in a lot of learning going online or going virtual. I mean, some of the largest universities in the world way before the pandemic are actually online universities or open universities, like in India and some other places. So there's been a trend before, way before the pandemic. Pandemic just brought, made everyone talk about it for a short period of time. And everyone is trying to go back to what they were doing before. And, but yeah, it just created a little bit more awareness. But I wouldn't, it's, in, without the pandemic, it was great. It, we are getting to a point in which fiscal learning is not sustainable at scale. Right. I mean, I, I'm a software engineer myself and I learned how to code mostly online. I went to university. I don't really learn many much valuable things there. So if I had it, if I, like if I have a child tomorrow, right, so I'm probably going to, I mean, I go to school, physical school, but like it's going to be looking at alternative form of learning to in conjunction because I know I'm more value being a software engineer created for me, right? As, as opposed to what is certificated I've created for me. So the trend has always been going online, right? Um, before we for the pandemic now pandemic would what pandemic would um really did was to um was a little bit more marketing and so it's um sales cycle will be a lot shorter marketing will be a lot easier because of you are not um you are not doing a lot of like, explaining on 
I mean, this, many of these people, they already saw the benefits, but you're not doing a lot of, um, you're not doing too much analysis, too much explaining, right? It's just, they've, they are, it's kind of like been brought in the notice that, oh, they should probably get born and then. But even without the pandemic, I would say and it was bound to happen. And it was already happening. Yeah. Are you a solo founder or do you have co founders? If you, you know, if you have co founders, how did you guys meet? No, I have a co-founder. I have a co-founder. Mm-hmm. No, we 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 met in school. We met in school. Uh, interestingly enough, we are kind of like a weird, we have a weird partnership going on because I'm a dropout and she was like the best student in my department. So kind of like polar opposite people. But yeah, we met in so but we yeah, we met in school way before I was working on a different project then, Obu. Uh yeah, vibes. I was an engineering student, she was in arts and humanities. Yeah, so, yeah. What advice would you give to anyone looking for a co-founder? I don't think I'm the best person to give advice on this. <laughs> right, because but uh off the top of my head, I said I don't think I'm just gonna give an to give advice on this, but off the top of my head, um I would just say like the co-founder, it's actually like a relationship in itself and it has to be someone you can actually fight with without affecting um, the business, right? Project. Uh, so it has to be someone you can fight with. And but more importantly, if you are a technical person like myself, I, that's a big advantage. And it's a lot easier to find another technical co-founder than to find technical co-founders that are good and to be committed. Um, so if you're a technical person like myself, and you have a vibe for startup. Just as around your network, there are people that are among your close friends. There are people that are skilled in some non-technical area, maybe growth marketing or design. Or I mean, these are still relatively technical in some ways, though. But there are people that are skilled in some other ways that would be very much interested in joining the startup. So just ask your friends that are actually good. Right? It's it's uh, one. I mean. Context is required still, and there are some industries or some projects that require experts. For example, if you are working on a nuclear reactor, for example, you cannot get a co-founder that dropped out of school. And another one that is, you want an expert in nuclear reactor, or if you are building jet propulsion engine, right? You want a co-founder that is very good in engineering, if you are not good in engineering yourself. Um, but from the, I'm getting a co-founder that is smart. I think minimum that means the minimum smartness requirements. And will be committed to the business, like to figure things out. Is and as a friend is is what is like is what I would give preference to. Yeah, I mean, and if you can't find a co-founder, just keep building. <laughs> just at some stage, you attract people that can, um, yeah, take up the mountain. At what stage would you say you guys are at the moment? Are you guys pre-product market fit or post-product market fit? Yeah. So I know we use all these stage and um, groupings to and all these fancy buzzwords and take a lot in startup to try just to try to like make things spice things up, right? Uh, but I mean we've we have obviously launched, we have paying users. Um but I mean I'll just say we are still we are in the early days and we'll be in the early days for a really long time. Uh, because the market opportunity is huge. Uh, personally, I try not to get, except it's absolutely required, I try not to get carried away with tech buzzwords or tech lingos because like, I feel like they are not always very representative of reality. 
and they could be they could be distracting. And just priority focus on customers, focus on products, uh, focus on the business, unit economics, and hope one lives to see the next day. <laughs> like a business lives to see the next day. So yeah. So I mean, just whether we put on market feed, put on market feed, this thing. There are we put on market feed companies that have died, but more companies that are dead. We just we are just trying to survive, make our money while creating value for people. So. So have you guys raised any funding or done any fundraising lately? Uh, we've 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 gotten we've gotten some. We are mostly bootstrapped, but we've gotten some smaller checks from. Um, from some friends and family and some major networks. We are mostly bootstrapped. So I wouldn't really say we really raised a major round. And that was, initially, that was deliberate because I've been trying to, like I've, like, I've been trying to, like, do this startup thing for a while now, with different projects. And one thing I've, one trend, one, one thing I'm trying to avoid is um, building a business that is not a business, right? So I'm raising money for it. And I have to now commit because of like, I have to maintain my reputation, right? I have to commit all my time and energy to it. And right now, I'm pretty sure I play that is a very good business. Potential is huge. I'm getting a lot of inbound requests. Um, but up until now, the goal was to build the product and the business up to a point where I was confident that this is the approach to reduce the solve education. So I don't just raise money and I now have to try to be pushing something off. <laughs> That is not really working because I have to validate investors. And investors are not jacked about anything, right? They don't know what's going on. They're only just. <laughs> so, what advice would you give anyone that wanted to start, you know, their own startup? Um, how would you advise them on how to evaluate, you know, their startup ideas? Yeah, I mean, like. <laughs> I am, I'm, I'm just an engineer, right? I'm not a successful startup founder yet. So I'm in no way best position to give any advice on this. I'll just share my perspective. And um, for me, so I think there are two kinds of businesses, right? And recognizing where you fall um, kind of makes things a little bit easier. And there are, there are businesses that try tries to capture value from an already existing industry, just to just solve a very obvious pain point and make some cash from it. Uh, for those kind of businesses, you want to validate your idea of the premise. I have the customer, our customers willing to pay for my product or my service right now. Like it's not that deep. Are they willing to pay for my product or service right now? If they're not willing to pay for your product or service right now, uh, chances are they're never going to pay for it because you are solving an existing pain point for them that they see that is obvious, right? You probably have competitors, so you want you are building your selling point. Your unique selling point is like better, better features, better integration, synergy, cleaner user interface, user experience, things like that. And then there are other businesses that they are kind of futuristic, like kind of like the iPhone. Um, so you could not have preempted that people will use the iPhone or not really. I mean, except want to BS ourselves and start discussing about the iPhone would have flopped because Apple also released a lot of products that actually flopped even after the iPhone. Right? I think the one after they released after Mac flopped. Uh, I think I'm, I think the list are flopped. So those kind of businesses is more of are you do you have a strong hypothesis of where the world would be, and are you willing to ride it out and take the risk? It's very risky, and yeah, do you are you ready to like be persistent with this project? So it might not work out well, but that the so f- for example, we put on like Pleda. Um, even though there is a market that like Wagi that needs it to like to be, and we could just sell to like to make money from university, secondary schools. 
the market I'm really building for is more of a futuristic market. So right now, the amount of online schools that exist are not so many because of the tools to create an online school are not really available. And it's not, it's not, it's not only tech people that are trying to create virtual schools, fashion people, photography people are trying to create virtual schools. Now, our, our hypothesis is strongly that because of play that exists, more people will create virtual schools, which will start a loop of people, more people coming to join online schools. So it's a bet on the future. Uh, all I can do is do my best to get us to that future and do a lot of experiment on it and make sure that when we get to that future, I'm the one that also win. So, so I just think so the advice for it depends on which category you fall, right? This one, this from my own from my side of things, I'm not really looking so deeply on um the revenue right now, how big they are. I mean, I have to look at it because that's one of our KPIs, but like I'm not looking at it so deep, but rather I'm looking at what's the growth, how are we growing over time? Like how do we grow everything from today? The people using the product, how do they grow, did they increase the number of students they have? And things like that, right? So how can I make it better? So at the end of the day, there is no really playbook. If there's a playbook, a select set of people will be select set of people are really freaking rich. Though. But like, if there's a playbook, um, we ought to never trickle down to the uh, lower, so to the lower class or to the middle class. It's just remain at the upper class because they'll keep recycling that playbook. But the geniuses of today, when it comes to building startups or building businesses, uh, always end up not really really being the business, the geniuses tomorrow. New startups are formed that now end up beating those old startups and the cycle continues. So, I mean, just do it, right? What's the words that happen? You feel? You start again? I don't know. What's, the, what's, the pers- what's your perspective around it? Well, for me, how I, you know, sometimes love to evaluate ideas is I try to figure out whether um, my my solution is or my startup idea is a solution in search of a problem or um, or am I actually addressing a problem and then building a solution around it? So I think my main focus is um, building a product from the ground up based on customer feedback or based on an actual problem. Yeah, either, you know, I'm the initial user or I've talked to my first initial customers. I think that kind of helps, especially me as a software engineer, avoid um, spending a lot of time just building cool ideas that at the end of the day people appreciate but no one actually wants or, you know, is willing to pay for. But, you know, people will appreciate it, they'll love it, you know. Yeah. So I I don't disagree with you at all. Um, but one but but one thing I might um one thing I might add, which may seem like a disagreement a little bit is for many of these things, right? Um, it is always in hindsight and you are only a failure or you only made a bad decision in retrospect if your startup failed. So to, to give context, right, you talk about a startup that raised a lot of money, they haven't really found the market fit, stuff like that. Um, if eventually they ended up finding product market fit and they took off, it would have looked like a genius strategy. So I'm using Amazon as an example. But the time Bezos went on the spending spree and I was just buying startups anyhow. Right. I mean, I think it was in the early 2000s, I'm not very sure of the timeline. But I was buying startups anyhow just because I wanted to expand Amazon store, wanted to expand the company, but a lot of checkout payments. Uh, it felt like it was sounded like a very stupid thing to them. In which respect, it was probably stupid. Uh, and at some point, Amazon almost went bankrupt and people look at it like, oh, Amazon, bad idea, losing money. Now, Bezos is perceived as a genius, right? As a businessman. It's because Amazon is successful. If tomorrow Amazon, if tomorrow Amazon tanks again, uh, Bezos would be like, oh, wasted money. He's a bad businessman. 
So um, the, 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 I think there are businesses that they start. I mean, if you look at I mean, there's Alibaba, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, Facebook, and they all have different founding stories. They all have different founders with different background. They had different growth strategies. They implemented different philosophies, and they are successful today. There are more people like them that actually failed, right? That actually took the right paths. They did it, they did the right thing well and they still failed. So I so I think for many of these things, actually like kind of like the inside bias we have where we say, oh, this is a this is a process to it. Honestly, if there was a process to starting the company and being successful, being a billionaire, it would be like a lot, a lot of people would be billionaires that we have right now because people are naturally very easy at, at following processes, right? So, right? It's just there'll be more successful startup because I can people can follow a process. Um, but even if, if you look at even the popular accelerator programs, the best in the world, the best venture capital firm. Look at their investment success rates. You see that they have a success rate of about, I don't know, probably 10% or less of companies they invest in that end up being successful. Now, investors, many of these large investors like Sequoia, even white companies, people like that, right? Um, when they invest in a company, they have actively involved in the company operation, giving advice. So they should be able to lay out a very solid template for the company to succeed. Yet, probably 90% of companies in their portfolio also fail. They make a shitload of money eventually, right? Still, but a lot, which means that it, it might not be as procedural as we think. Is there might be a little bit of randomness and some other variable to it that we can't really account for, right? So I, I, so I just try to eliminate that bias. So we'll do A, B, C, D, E, and chances are you would achieve you would achieve success. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I totally agree. Even you know Michael Cyborg from my Combinator said, you know. Um, they don't have all the answers to, you know, all the questions that most startups would want to know. And they can't really predict, you know, they can't really predict, you know, what startup will succeed or fail. Yeah. And, and you have seen a lot of startups, a lot of successful and failed strive, breaks. You have seen a lot. Yet, it can't really point to, I mean, it can give some pointers, but it's very difficult for them to really point to what. Um, what makes a startup successful? Can I just give some some pointers, some pointers. And I'm pretty sure if he has everything figured out, he'll probably not be doing investing. He'll probably be starting companies <laughs> because the return on investment of starting companies is significantly higher. So look at look at look at the first investor of Facebook. Let's say Peter Thiel. Probably not the original first, but like one of the first major investors of Peter Thiel. And he probably has a net of about three billion dollars or so. I'm not very sure of the exact figure. Right, being an investor in Facebook, I missed his other investments. The founder of Facebook himself, from Facebook itself alone, probably has a net worth of about something billion dollars. That's almost 20x net worth. And if you're looking at it in terms of arithmetic, not multiplication, that's about um, an additional 60 billion net worth. So the return on investment of starting companies is significantly higher than that of investing. So if the investors or the advisors, if they need the parts, I mean, I don't know why they would be advising and not starting companies themselves. I mean, they're just I'm just thinking about it more broadly speaking. There might be different, there might be a different reason or different approach to things. But yeah. So where do you see your startup in the next five to ten years? Or what are your plans for you know your startup? So I'll tell you what I I'll, I'll tell you what I hope to exist. I can't tell you where I sit, right? <laughs> yeah. So what I hope to exist and what I'm working actively towards trying to achieve is um, a a world in which 
there are more virtual, there, there are more options, there are more learning options for people, right? And in a more practical level, there are more virtual schools and physical schools. Most learning happen virtually and not physically. So like, I wonder what to expect in the next decade, right? But also as important as that, I want that to be the platform that powers this virtual learning. And that's very important because you can, you can create an industry, make the industry become known and not capture a lot of value from that industry. So I'll give you a very good example, which is Yahoo and Google. My first email address was Yahoo Mail. Yet I've not opened it in like six years or five years. In fact, I used my first Facebook account. I used my Facebook account. I used my Yahoo Mail to open it. Um, now I moved it to Gmail like about six years ago, thereabouts. But then Yahoo told me about search. Yahoo told me about email. But Google won. Google, Google was able to capture it. Overall, for everyone, it's a better future. Email exists, search exists. But then the person that educated me about it quite lost the, the war over them. So for me, it's about, I know that online learning is a lot beneficial on average, right, than fiscal learning. You're not limited by space. From, from the child perspective or from the creator or the entrepreneur perspective, you're not limited by physical location. You can have students across anywhere in the world, from Canada to Nigeria to Malawi to Kenya to Ghana to Ghana. Anywhere you can have students. You don't have to pay NEPA bill or house rent. Your students have to pay transportation fee. And your students can learn anywhere at their convenience, right? With just an internet and a laptop in the house. So the benefit outweighs the um, the alternative which is fiscal um, fiscal learning. So now taking the world to that point because we exist, taking Africa to that point, we are most learning of course online because better exists. We are going to get to that point. But then I also now want that to be the one that powers this learning, so at least I can capture some value for myself, right? So I'm not just, it's important that I create a lot of value for the world out there, but I also want to capture some value for myself, right? So, so your previous startup, um, Hey Food, well, which got accepted into YC. So what is your involvement with Hey Food right now? Or, you know, how did the transition from Hey Food to your current startup happen? So um, I'm not as involved as I was in the early days. And that's because like effort is being run by some by a friend that is very competent, Tyro. So he has um, he has most of he has he either has everything figured out, not everything, he has most of the things figured out, and probably has the tools to figure out the rest he doesn't need to figure out. But I'm still at Ifood once in a while, like and like last week I was at the office again, spent like some time chatting, strategizing, but I'm not actively involved in the uh in the day-to-day anymore i'm focused on play right now so a lot of people usually want to know how to get into yc you know um, any pointers on how to apply and get accepted yeah so i i is one of the things i would say I, I i don't think i'm exactly in the best position to say how to get into yc because there's a little bit of randomness to get into yc Right, and YC is, yeah, so uh, YC is a pretty, I mean, like the, right, we need more successful businesses, not more businesses getting into YC. Now, YC was great. I learned a lot. You have the best mentors, best advisors, but it is not a, it's not a necessity for success, right? It's not, so many people say, oh, once you've got into YC, you're like, a, yeah, yeah, you figured everything. But if you look at the success rate of people, I see companies like it's high by many standards. They have some very interesting companies like Dropbox, Stripe, 
like some very Airbnb that came out of YC, big companies. But I think it's it's more important to really just there are so many points from their YouTube video, from their content to watch. But I th- I think we just we just need more businesses actually just focusing on the customer and uh, focusing on creating value for the customers and trying to get the business unit economics right. And chances are if you are if your business falls into that category, YC would there's a likely that YC would actually now pick you. Because these guys are actually fucking smart, right? They've seen a lot of companies. You can't really BS your way into it. You can also really practice your way into getting into YC uh, per se. So I think the best the best way to get into YC is to really focus on building a good business. <laughs> it's a product that customer loves and YC will take it. And also that's the point, right? At the end of the day. This is not the it's not the goal. The goal is to build a Google or a Microsoft, right? Not to get into YC. Because the money will finish. You'll get money and money will finish, right? And you'll be back to <laughs> you'll be back to looking for money again. But like if you have a business, um, number one, you have revenue to take care of yourself. More importantly, you can um, not more important, not more importantly, but you have revenue to take care of yourself, but you can also always follow up around if you have a very good business, versus a bit jumping on me. So yeah. The best, the best advice to get into YC is to focus on your business such that you don't need YC. And then it'll be easier to get into YC. And there you have it. I hope you guys had a great time listening to the founder of Pleader and co-founder of Hey Food. And I hope I catch you guys in the next episode.